0: Dr. Katia Castillo, I have been practicing OBGYN for 26 years. When my pregnant patients ask me whether they should get vaccinated against COVID-19, I tell them that vaccination protects them from this serious disease. I know COVID-19 disease can be very serious in pregnant women. It can affect pregnancy or the baby. Millions of people, including pregnant women, have gotten these safe and effective vaccines learn more at cdc.gov
1: you're listening to kybn the uk's finest
2: the time is now the place is here we're gonna have a little talk it's just chat with brie right now on kybn radio The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host and the host alone and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the KYBN radio network. Due to its content, viewer discretion is advised.
3: Good afternoon or good evening, and welcome to Just Chat with Bree. Today's episode of Navigating Freedom with Mr. Damon L. Cook. Good morning, Damon. How are you?
0: Wonderful, Bree. How are you? Good morning.
3: Uh, not not too bad. Not too bad, although, you know, every day starts different, and as the day goes on, it either gets better or it just goes downhill. So we'll see. We'll see. So i got some questions for you. Just one or two.
0: Okay. Shoot, fire away. I'm good.
3: Ah well, all right, when when we finish this then we'll we'll let the listeners know what we're doing. So you've been out about two months now. What is the most rewarding thing that you've come across since being out? And what is the most disappointing?
0: Oh, okay. So I would say the most rewarding thing that I've come across is being able to give back to those less fortunate. Um, that was a big deal for me. You know, I've been blessed in my life to have been, uh, in a lot of ways. And, Part of me always felt like I cheated my family by going to prison, right? All the great things they set me up to succeed in, and I failed. So there was always this thing gnawing at me, telling me I need to do something to make my mother proud. And creating a nonprofit has um, started a conversation with my mother that we didn't have before. So I, I would say that, you know, me being of service was much more fulfilling than anything I could have done on my own in terms of, my own personal little accolades or whatever, that wouldn't even matter to her. It's me being of service that seems to have touched her the most. So I would say that. In terms mm. of what's the worst thing, uh, I think for me is I know second chances are hard to earn back with some people in society. I get that. And I know people already have different things in their brain about who they think. A person that was in my position is or what he was, but what's very difficult is when individuals can clearly see you are working towards something positive, there seems to be a negative obstacle that's placed in front of you, and I don't know if that's a test. I don't know if that's part of the whole process, but it always seems to come at a time where you say, hmm, for me, it's like, okay, what was that for, and why is that necessary? If I'm doing the right thing, oh, but these are life's challenges, I guess, and it's all in how you put things in perspective. So for me, I'm just gonna call them challenges and and be less forgiving and saying that they're not fulfilling. Is it? Am I making sense? I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. Of all of the various challenges, and I know that there have been challenges because it's such an adjustment and such a, a, a adaptation as you are navigating through being away for 31 years and then coming into the world, just being thrown in there. Do you see anything that can be done to assist people in adapting better? Because you have those people that can't adapt as quickly as you have, and and they become frustrated. So have you seen anything new that you could maybe add to your program that would help someone adjusting to the very fast pace that they have to catch up on? Because 30 years is a lot of time that you have to catch up, and there's so many different things going on. What do you think would be something that could help uh, balance that pressure of, oh, my God, there's so much?
0: Okay. Uh, One thing that comes to mind immediately is uh, introducing a mental health professional. I believe in it. I'll stand by it. And there's nothing in my mind that's something, nothing wrong with having a professional to talk to because there are things that we go through as a man transitioning in society that can't possibly be expressed to the people that love you. And what it looks like to the people on the other side is that we're shut down, we're closed off, and we don't want to communicate, which that not necessarily is the case. It's just that, In our world, we have to communicate with each other or ourselves first, and then we can open up and share what we may be experiencing. For instance, we've already been away for so long, so if I'm going through something that seems minuscule to people on the streets, but to me it might be magnified into something bigger, for me it's like I just need time to think. And then that processing period, Sometimes can be misread by someone who loves you. Like, he might be, he's off. And so what people want to do when they care for you is they want to keep on probing. Keep on saying, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? When that's the last thing that a person like me wants to hear. I just want to be able to go through the process. And even if you just sat there still and didn't talk, it's better. and so I would say a mental health professional will probably be something that I'm going to explore deeply in the next couple of months because I am running across this a lot.
3: Well, what you're expressing is a form of PTSD. And people think that, oh, you got to be in the military to have PTSD. But in essence, everybody actually has it in a different form or, or shape. And um, <sighs> post-trauma stress disorder, that comes in so many different forms that I think people are like, oh, military, PTSD, but no, life, PTSD. And so I agree with you because I think if a lot more people were more in touch with the fact that I need somebody to talk to, I need um, a balance to help balance me out because even with you, you're doing all of this stuff for other people. Who's helping you?
0: Well, the answer to that is no one, and sometimes it can be overwhelming, and it can be overwhelming for this just one reason right sometimes i just need to vent i just need to take a moment for myself i can't continue to help others if i'm not right because if i don't get myself straight then it becomes extra difficult for me to reach out to others and i feel like i'm i'm a fraud i don't want i want to be genuine i don't want to be disingenuous to anyone and be true to who i am but there are some days particularly those who have other agendas with my life that it becomes difficult for me to be genuine When I'm going through a lot of struggles Mentally
3: Right Damon, I want to stop here Take a brief break And come back And then we'll introduce everybody to what we do here <laughs> We'll be right. right back Let me do something
4: today to make my mama With something to do, so I brush my teeth with a melody and wash my face with the boo, oh yeah, and make my way to the kitchen to get a kiss from my love, stop and break, cause I'm grateful and know it came from above, open up my window to in my life, it me up inside all day and going
2: heard it all. There's more fun, more talk, more music. Just get ahead. Don't you go anywhere because there's more. Just chat with Bree to come.
1: 01 World Advantage Network Production, KYBN.
3: And welcome back to Just Chat with Three in today's episode of Navigating Freedom with Mr. Damon L. Cook. So, Damon, we just kind of jumped right in on that first segment. Let's tell the people who you are, why we're here, and what we're trying to do.
0: Okay. My name is Damon Cook. Uh, I'm currently the CEO of the Uncuffed Project, which is a nonprofit in the Bay Area. What we do is we navigate freedom. And what I mean by that is we help men and women transition from incarceration to freedom and what that looks like and how you experience. And what makes this situation so unique in my case, is I'm a couple months away from prison. So I spent 31 years, 60 days in prison. And now I'm out doing the work that I said I would do while I was in. And so now what we're doing is just going through the, the day-to-day, weekly struggles and pitfalls and, and high, high, highs and lows of what it, it is that I go through. Through the eyes of me, I can probably help others who are family members of those who were formerly incarcerated understand things that are – like, sight unseen or things that aren't talked about. I just want to be candid and transparent and talk about the ups and downs because that's what it's really all about, getting people back together to heal. So it's all about healing, and sometimes a conversation can help someone heal. So that's why we do this. Every week we're having a talk, whatever it is <laughs> we're talking about.
3: Right, right. Uh, I got I a question here about um, insight and support. What is something that is a positive and something that's a negative that families, friends, and associates can do to support those that are inside getting close to coming out or maybe never even getting an opportunity to get in a position to come out. What is something that family members should or should not do to assist that balance for that person while they're inside?
0: Okay. Uh, I would say, let's start with someone who may not be coming out soon. So it's the little things that matter the most in this situation prison is pretty much structured everything you know you get Three meals a day and in, in a bed. But other than that, the day-to-day ins and outs of prison requires different things. Now, emotionally is more important to me, this is my opinion, than anything financial that someone can do. For instance, I knew a guy in prison whose grandmother sent him $20 every year at Christmas. He despised the fact that she sent him $20. He would have much rather had a letter than the $20 because the $20 appear to be a placation for something that He lacked in their relationship. So I'm saying from experience that reaching out and saying, Hey, I love you. We're here for you. And being here for you doesn't necessarily mean financially. It's emotional. That emotional support, because there comes a time in a man's life in prison where he may feel that no one cares about him and he's dead. I had that feeling. I had the feeling that here I am in prison over 20 years and people treat me as if I'm no longer. Alive. They speak of me in the third person like I used to be there and then they stop talking about you altogether. Sometimes people Ooh. on the street they feel like this. They feel like I don't want to tell him that Sister Mary has cancer. I don't want to tell him that my the baby was born because he's in there and he it might drive him crazy. It is actually the opposite. When the family members say, "Hey, sister Mary has cancer," uh, you know, Betty Joe just had a baby boy, he now feels included in the family structure and not excluded when you don't say anything. So, I want to encourage the people to continue to talk because talking to the person on the inside still makes him feel alive.
3: So, what about the person who did not have a good family structure.
0: <laughs> okay. Good did question. Not have a, good, question. a good family structure. Right. Okay. Great question. So, if you're on the other side of that broken family and you know you have someone incarcerated and you actually care about that person, it's a slow process. Don't try to force feed him information. He's still processing hurt, pain, shame, guilt, all kinds of things that he's going through. Just a simple, let's say, I've seen the best. If communicator was the person who sent a card and saying, I'm here. You don't have to say nothing else. Just send that. You're loved. I'm here. We care. We'll never forget you. Mm -hmm. That type of stuff. Mm -hmm. That has a monumentous impact on a man who is hopeless, right? It will turn that Mm -hmm. hopeless person into someone who is hopeful that his family and he may not say it, it and he may he may reject it he may reject it i i guarantee you if if he's feeling some kind of way he might reject it for six months a year some people are stubborn like that right but it's penetrating mm-hmm. because the energy that it takes to resist is greater than the energy it takes to persist so what happens it always reverses itself and then the persistency outweighs the resistance because you are expressing love, you're expressing caring and kindness, it will eventually get to him. And don't be discouraged if you don't get a letter back. Just try to put yourself in his position. He's sitting in the cage looking at this letter thinking, and it takes a minute for that thinking to be applied on paper. It doesn't mean he doesn't care, and it doesn't mean you should stop sending letters. It just means that he's thinking. I know that to be true. Everybody's thinking. Even if they're mad, they're thinking. Right. Keep right. sending the letters. Keep sending them.
3: Right. Right. You know, I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk about that and to share that because I think it's very, very important. I've had friends and family um, on the opposite side, you know, from me, from where I was, and I am a terrible letter writer i'm horrible i i try to get cards and write them but i'll be i'll be honest i am so glad we have text even though i don't like text at least i know i can text and and i would have said something as opposed to writing but i can i can relate to what you're saying because i can remember some people getting tons of mail the whole bag was full of them and then I can remember the person that never got a picture, never got a card. And those were the angry people, in my opinion. They were the ones that were angry. And it's like how kids do. They acted out because, you know, everybody was getting something, and then they would get teased. Oh, man, you never get nothing. No, nobody wants you or this and other. That really affected people. It really, really affected people that that they didn't get mail or they didn't get visits. So I'm glad that you took the time to explain that. I think it's a very important thing for the listeners to know. Very important. Let's go to a brief break, and we're going to come back, and we'll talk more to Mr. Jamin L. Cook.
2: Yeah, yeah. Man, we got to do one, really. What you got, Levi? got to go there, man. Barbecues and stays. a blind man can tell, that's why I want one for me, listen, five foot three, or maybe five foot eight, the way it's stacked together, man, it sure looks great, you look so good, that's why I gotta stay away, cause every time you come around, all I wanna do is pay, ¡Banzo! Yeah
3: I could just chat with three in today's episode of Navigating Freedom with Mr. Damon L. Cook. So tell us, tell us, Damon, what was your adventure for this week? What did you do this week now that we got all the other stuff out of the way?
0: Okay. This adventure this week has to do with Little Botany. I went to a nursery, a plant nursery, and mm. uh, it was very – I know people use the word surreal a lot. But this, this nursery uh, brought me back to what it all means to be free, if I can explain how that mm-hmm. happened. Uh, I passed several plants. I walked down aisles. I, I thought about things. One thing that came to mind for me early was I was looking for an Aurelia plant, and I was also looking for a plant that prop- has some properties of healing. And I remember when I was a kid how my grandmother used to use plants to heal, different plants, different types of plants, depending on what the ailment was or what it is, right, whatever was going on in your life. Right. So I went to a nursery thinking, okay, I'm going to find some plants that's going to help me stay in my zone, if you will. That turned it to be a five-hour <laughs> because – uh, there's all types of plants at a nursery, right? There's all types of things going on. But I just found myself walking down aisle after aisle. This nursery was, it was kind of big. It was underneath a freeway overpass. So they had bigger plants. Like I was gravitating towards the palm trees. I was Ooh. like there's a five foot palm tree. And I said, Excuse me, sir, how much would this normally run? Right. And he says, Pre COVID, COVID, or right now? And I said, okay, well, let's start right now. He said, $7,500. And it's only, it's a little shorter than I am. I said, are you serious? $7,500? He said, pre-COVID, it was 12000 I said, oh, wow. No. That's what I said. I said, I need to get into the nursery business. This is what I need to be doing. I need to be working out some plans right here because these, these tickets are they're deep. So, you know, I started looking around things, and just being around plants in the garden or in the nursery at the place, it was very, very tranquil, and it put things in perspective. I hadn't had the best week. I was being challenged by different things going on on the outside, the challenges of every day, but these are much more deeper. And so being in the nursery, it it, it allowed me, just to sit there, take it in, take in the smells. The smells. There's so many different smells that are fresh to me because being in prison, the smell is the same. It's more like a stench. There is a, a formidable stench in prison that, if you've been, if you go inside, it is. A, it smells a certain way. So just sitting in the nursery, I'm saying, "Wow, this is beautiful." Just talking, listening observing how little insects find their way inside the nursery. A bumblebee found its way to a plant. There was a lot of things that I found to be um, insightful and impactful by just sitting there, sitting there in silence and listening to my breath. It reminded me of meditation class. But this was a different feeling. So then I started thinking, wow, this is probably why Buddhists like to meditate in the garden, in the Asian uh, community. They usually have nice gardens. It's because of what it does to your psyche and how you. you it brings you back to your center. So that was a a big deal. And, it, and it, I know it might not sound powerful to the listener, but if you sat in a nursery and just really got into yourself, you would really understand what I'm talking about. It was it was moving, and so I appreciated the fact that the owner of the nursery. He thought it, was a, thought it was a crackpot in the beginning, but I was explaining to him how I really love just smelling the plants, going through, just looking at different things. So he let me stay in there without thinking I was a weirdo. <laughs> so the, the nursery was a big deal for me this week.
3: And see, that's another example of how something so basic and simple, we take for granted and don't even think twice, you know, uh, I like nurseries, I like indoor nurseries because of what you were talking about, the bugs. I'm not a bug person, I a, a bug, you can tell me there's a bug in a room and if I can't see that bug, I'll go crazy.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I will go crazy, uh, but you're right, it is a very tranquil place, a, a nice happy spot. And so I'm glad you were able to find that, and I like the fact of how you described it and shared it with the listeners, because maybe the next time someone goes into a, a floral place, a nursery, they'll think about what you said and take a moment to just calm down and, and, you know, have that tranquility and that peace within themselves. So thank you very much for sharing that. Now I'm going to ask you, do you have a green thumb?
0: Uh at one point in time, i actually, I thought I did, and i'll I'll tell you a quick little story about prison prison they don't allow you to have gardens in prison if the guards catch you go in the garden they'll they'll dig it up generally, they let you go through one cycle, which is about twelve weeks, and then if they catch it or if something triggers them, they will come and dig it all up right so it's very rare that you're allowed to get some something to grow bigger or into its maturation and in my case. Um, tomatoes was a big deal in prison. So, uh, we started growing first. It was basil and, and like uh, little herbs. And they don't look like anything to the naked eye. So a guard will walk over that. But when you start growing plants, things that are sprouting deeper and getting higher, right? Then Ooh. they say, "Oh no, You can't have that. Right. But we tried it anyway. So I tried growing some tomatoes. And my tomatoes got nice size, maybe softball size tomatoes. And it was nice. The way I, I cultivated that, I, I, I dug, I plant then they started this project about fifteen or twenty years ago in the institutions called the Inside Gardening Project. Right? And so people would come in and teach you how to really grow stuff illegally in prison and so people were finding the tranquility of creating their own gardens right people were were locked in signed up it was standing room only me to get into those classes right but here I am on the side of the baseball diamond, growing some tomatoes next to the to the dugout right? <laughs> well, my wow. my tomatoes the reason why you asked me if I had a green thumb I didn't think I had a green thumb, but everyone was eating my tomatoes wow, so that was a that was a that was a pretty big deal. I like that. We tried to grow cantaloupes, but we got it he dug up. They dug it up. They said, Oh, that's too much. You're doing too much now.
5: See, you now
3: that that's interesting because I was at a federal facility and they grew their own vegetables and things. And so there was an off site, I, I want to say off site garden, and the trustees were able to go out and they grew food that they actually ate you know, um, for I don't know if they ate and sold it or what they did, but they had a very large garden that the trustees would go out and work in. So that's interesting in a different state versus federal type facilities. Yeah. Interesting. That wow. Well, you know, if you think about it, growing growing vegetables and, and that type of thing actually is a money saver. So that, that's a thought. But, yeah, they, they do have gardens. So that's interesting that you guys weren't allowed to grow anything because I would much prefer to see someone growing a garden and being peaceful than being locked up for fighting because they can't get that, that energy out of their system.
0: Interesting. Yep. Very interesting. I yeah. never understood what the penological interest was in cilantro and basil and, and garlic and other little plants. I never understood that, but they were very adamant about not growing that stuff. And and, and until that project came into the institution, um, they, that really was taboo. Wow. Well, interesting. Let's go to a brief break. Very interesting. Hmm.
3: Things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll be right back.
6: Never get over it. What comes to mind? Do the wedding invitations you want exceed your budget? Well, think differently. With Carlson Craft's newest Simply Sensible collection, there are more products, more choices, and more savings than ever before. Build your own package and save up to $400. Now that's Simply Sensible. Locate a retailer at ccbudget.com right now. That's ccbudget.com or call 1-866-4CC-BUDGET. For a limited time, get 100 invitations for as low as $38. But you must visit ccbudget.com.
1: KYBN digital radio
5: Happy birthday to you Happy birthday to you Happy birthday to you Happy birthday to you Happy birthday to
3: you Happy birthday And welcome back to Just Chat with the Breeze today's episode of Navigating Freedom with Mr. Damon L. Cook. So, Damon, in light of everything and being able to reflect and think, what do you want to tell people about the decisions they make and the consequences of those decisions?
0: Good question. I think I'll use me as, a, as an example. This week has been a challenging week for me on a couple of different levels. The reason why I went to the nursery is to get away and get back into my thoughts because I was challenged in the physical aspect by another person who had just been formally released. I'm in a program, and sometimes the people in the program um, may find themselves making bad decisions, but those decisions that they make could affect me. I'll give you an example. I live in a house with 10 men. And if any one of these men, it's a sober living environment, and if any one of these men get caught up with any type of narcotics, drugs, alcohol, any of that, everyone in the house is held accountable. Because we're all accountable for each other. That's the way that they set this up. So you can imagine if I'm coming home and a person is in the living room like a frat house having drugs and alcohol on the table and... At that point, I have to make a decision, right? Do you confront the person? Do you walk over it as if you didn't see it? Or do you ignore it and then continue doing what you're doing? Well, I don't know about the next person, but I'm living in a world of accountability. And accountability is important to me and being genuine. And not only genuine to myself, but genuine to those around me is absolutely essential. Mm. And if we're all in this program trying to better ourselves, then one person could ruin the batch for everyone else. So I have to have a different conversation, a conversation that's Mm. counterintuitive to the prison structure. And what I mean by that is we don't report what we see in prison. That's a prison narrative. But as a free person, if these consequences could ultimately hurt you, I have to say this, that this is where you have to make a rational decision and not a prison decision. So the prison decision is not to talk about it, but the rational, grown man decision is to say, "Hey, man, let's have a conversation about why you are violating this house rule that could potentially find me back in jail, back in prison because of decisions you made." I simply can't walk that walk and say I'm not. I'm going to ignore that. That just doesn't work for me. So. I have to say something. And sometimes saying something to people who are free causes them to say something that they may not mean, but they say. And, and, I, and I say this because I was challenged in the most a genuine way a person can be challenged. You confront an addict about his addiction. You say that you can't use alcohol, you can't use drugs, and you can't use any type of substance in this house. Regardless of it's, if it's uh, legal on outside of the house, it's illegal in the house. So when you confront them, men have a tendency to say things. And, and I come from the school, from an empty wagon makes a lot of noise. So if a guy is making all that noise, he really doesn't have substance. Because the ones who, who really create damage and havoc are the ones that don't talk. And this is the world I came from in prison. So I'm never watching the guy that's making the noise in the crowd. I'm always watching the one that's quiet in the corner because I know that guy is the one that's going to get you, not the one making all the noise. That's a distraction. So when I confronted this man, he decided to say some things. You know, he used profane language, which I don't have a problem with. He uses all these different things, calling me all kinds of out of my name. And everything was okay until the point where he escalated it to violence. This is very important. I want people to really understand this. I went to prison for violence. So I tried to explain to him, listen, man, listen to me. I can understand you drinking. I can understand you smoking. I can understand you doing drugs. This is your world. But you just broke a bottle at my foot, and you are now entering in a world of violence. And now this is where I have a PhD. Do you understand what is coming up for me at this moment? And I'm explaining to him, this is something you can't come back from. And I'm also telling myself, if I do anything, I won't come back from. So there's the challenge right there. Am I able to sit in this Feelings I'm having, why a man is accosting me, attempting to do violence, talk myself off the ledge, and talk him off of getting into something he really doesn't know what he's getting into. So this is why having communication and being able to talk to another person and de-escalate the situation, having those tools in your toolbox, those are the most critical things for someone who has come out of prison, particularly those who have committed violence. I'm not an advocate for violence anymore, I'm an advocate for peace, but I do know violence. And nobody can tell me how I felt at that moment other than me, myself, who knows what I'm capable of doing. But I'm also at this point in my life wise enough to know that it's not a reaction anymore. It's reasoning, it's understanding, and it's taking a breath. And that pause is what most of the young people lose in society now. They grab the gun and start shooting, and next thing you know, we have all these shootings going on because they didn't take the pause. And all it takes is a second to rethink the situation. Why am I here and why are we doing this? And then you will come to the right decision. I believe that. Now, some people may not, but by and large, if you have that pause, most people will come to the right decision. And I came to the right decision to walk away from the the escalation of violence. And I say this to you in the most humbling way. I could have given it to him, everything he wanted, plus a little more, a little extra. I could have gave it to him, but I didn't because everything I worked for for 30 years, to get out of prison would have been wiped away in one moment, and I just couldn't do that to my family, and I couldn't do it to myself. So I had to swallow that one, move on, and go to the nursery. <laughs> wow, well, I understand. Real I, I real definitely story. understand. Wow. Yeah, so I, I want you, this show to be real, right? It's not all always peaches and Some weeks is not cool, and this wasn't a cool week for me. But it was necessary because the lesson that I got out of this is was allowing me to share with you today because. There is a lesson in everything So I always right. try to look for the lesson.
3: Wow, wow, wow that was deep Well Damon is always informative Very informative and I thank you For taking the time to come share with us And enlighten us It's very important to someone Someone needs to hear what you're saying And I thank you for saying it And we're out of time So I tell the listeners to join us next week For our next episode of Navigating Freedom With Mr. Damon L. Cook Damon, thank you so much for coming And uh, listeners, we will see you next week
0: Thank you Tom Y, formerly of Orlando Police Department. Just giving a quick public service announcement out to all you listeners. If
3: you ever do get stopped by the police, here's a couple things you need to do. Slowly pull over to the side
0: of the road. If it is nighttime, turn your interior lights on. Place your hands up on the steering wheel. Do not make any sudden moves. Don't reach for your wallet. Don't reach for your registration. Wait for the officer's instructions. And if you are carrying a weapon, if you have concealed weapons permit, Please inform that officer you do have a weapon, but please keep your hands on the steering wheel at all times and wait for further instructions. This is a public service announcement brought to you from Captain Company.